Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for June 6th, uh, 6th 9th, June 9th, to the, uh, 2019. Uh, we are broadcasting not live from Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And uh, uh, like I said, this is we're, we're done with the Easter season. We're now into, this is your Pentecost. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, very Pentecostal uh, uh, is what we're But doing. not really. But not really. <laughs> It <laughs> pretty much a name only. In name only, uh, but but uh, you know obviously that's where that word comes from. Yeah, Pen- Pen- Pentecostal. It comes from the Pentecost, uh, um, and from the Pentecostal movement's belief in the necessity of the of. I'll put it this way: dramatic Holy Spirit examples in one's life to show that you really are straight with God. Mm, okay, and that if you don't yeah. have the ability to do miraculous healings or handle snakes or something, mm-hmm. then you still have to have some spiritual work to do. Till... I'm often told uh, because of my love of science fiction and, and, mm-hmm. and very nerdy things that I, I speak in tongues. <laughs> so, Well, by Episcopal standards, you might. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, uh, let's get to our, our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Tongues of Fire Hot Sauce. There you go. <laughs> this Pentecost season, enjoy Tongues of Fire Hot Sauce for all your parish picnic needs. A fiery blend of Carol- Carolina Reaper peppers, garlic, canola oil, vinegar, lime juice, mustard powder, and salt. Tongues of Fire is Holy Family's latest entry into the culinary world. You might remember we've had other... Yes fake foods. Uh, Whether you want a light coating of flavor on that sandwich or to drench a chicken in a marinade, Tongues of Fire is perfect for all your food needs during Pentecost. Tongues of Fire, it will have you speaking in tongues just like the apostles. Well, especially if you have the faith of a mustard seed already in there. There you go, right? So, uh, so yeah, uh, very, very happy to be in, in, in Pentecost. We're getting ready for, for the, the entire season of Pentecost. Uh, Technically, the season after Pentecost. Pe- season after Pentecost. Yes. yes, I guess that is true. It's it yep. is it is uh it is not a pen- Pentecost season. Right. It is just uh is is this what we would call ordinary time? It's is that's that... the 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 turn that the Roman Catholic tradition came up with, mm-hmm. and it's it's now being used by other traditions as well. So sometimes you'll hear an Episcopalian <laughs> using that, mm-hmm. um, but. Officially, it's so bland though. So what a what a bland yeah, title. Like, uh, this is ordinary. It, it, it time. sort of encourages you not to show up till Advent. Right, right, right. Yeah. So yeah, we, we don't have any. I don't know. So we don't have any saviors being born. Or, <laughs> you know, crucifixions to celebrate. So we just just, just plain old ordinary. <laughs> yeah. So we prefer the season after Pentecost. Season after Pentecost. Yeah. We we need to jazz this up. I mean, yeah. seriously. After all these years. Uh, you think we'd come up with something? We, we need to burden <laughs> burden our, our our Episcopal diocese with the task of like, let's jazz up this season. Uh, let's find let's find something to call it other than ordinary time or the season after something interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and before the next interesting because, thing, <laughs> because let's face it, it, season after Pentecost is barely better. Right. I mean, I mean, let's you know, uh, uh, all due respect to whoever came up with. Mm-hmm. You know, that title is, let's not call it Ordinary Time. Let's vastly improve it by calling it The Season After Pentecost. Yeah, and I I have a feeling that in the Roman tradition, it used to be called The Season After Pentecost. I'm not sure of that, though. I have done no research whatsoever on it, so hey, look, I'm uh, just guessing. Then you're in, a, you're in a great boat with me. That's right. That's... <laughs> 
I live my entire existence in that boat of, uh, you know, I have no actual knowledge of this and have not studied it, right. but this feels true to me. So therefore, therefore it's gonna, truthy. It's true. It has a, a high level of truthiness to it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, well, let's, uh, let's jump in. Our, our first reading here is from Acts, uh, chapter two, verses one through 21. And this is the story that you traditionally think of as. The Pentecost story. The Pentecost story. So, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Liberia, uh, Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, uh, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea, and all who live in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above, and signs of the earth, on the earth below, blood and fire, and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, so, Real quick, just so that we can get into it, th this reading refers to uh, the day of Pentecost, and we mm -hmm. think of Pentecost as this event. So right. this event does not define what Pentecost actually is. So do you want to talk uh, really quick about what, uh, this, what the day of Pentecost uh, actually it was prior to this event? Yeah, it was it it is a festival within the Jewish liturgical calendar that takes place 50 days after Passover. Okay. So it it was something it was it was an occasion upon which the followers of Jesus would have been worshiping and um focused on their prayers and um the various spiritual meditations and dynamics of the Jewish feast of Pentecost, and then suddenly this new thing happened. Mm -hmm. uh, you you mentioned something interesting that uh, I want to kind of delve down real quick. How many days between the resurrection 
and uh, um, Pentecost, are there? 50 days. So, um, the point being that Passover and uh, um, resurrection are timed equally? Yes. In the Gospel of Luke, they are timed equally. In, in the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of John, it um, has a, a literary structure where Jesus actually dies a few days prior to that. So it it may end up that it's that Easter is still on um, Passover, but it doesn't seem like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gospels are a little squishy on the on where on the date the liturgical date that jesus died and mm-hmm. um, was resurrected compared to the jewish calendar right. there's some conflicts there gotcha so so as far as the uh, calendar wise we're, we're we're close in in that ballpark of period of time in between in these two events um, but at, as as one listening to this podcast would know easter bounces around for us so but so is Passover. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I I was gonna try to figure out like you know are they strictly timed uh or like or, or have we do we just kind of uh, observe uh they're uh, close and I haven't sat down to see how often they are not the same date but mm-hmm. the Jewish calendar is a lunar lunar calendar and the um, Easter timing is based on the spring equinox. Um, so there's, it's not the exact, in many ways be easier and more accurate historically if we simply went by the Jewish calendar, but we don't. Gotcha. Okay. I, I just kind of wanted to delve down that rabbit hole just real quick. Uh, but, but mostly to point out, uh, that, that, uh, you know, a lot of times we have events that we celebrate as Christians that are tied to events that are celebrated by others for different reasons. Uh, right. And, and, and uh, there does kind of seem to be this overlay that, that, um, uh, that, that in, in our, in our um, holidays, our, our, our religious holidays that, that uh, they, they kind of uh, overlap and, mm-hmm. and, and kind of mirror each other. Well, and to just say the major point that we haven't said, the, that there's a very strong tradition within Christianity of Jesus being symbolically being the Passover lamb. Mm-hmm. The land yeah. that's consumed on the Jewish festival of Passover, right? right. So that's why there's such a, a key spiritual slash theological connection. Yeah. Um, so the, the 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 story. This is not a, a new story for anybody. Uh, this is not. Well, it could a, be. This, well, it could be. But uh, but if you follow along, uh, um, lectionary readings or things, this is not one of those that you're only going to hear probably once every three years because we're right. on a three year cycle. This this comes up every year. This right. is a, this is a, this is one that is a, uh, fairly regular. Um, so. Uh, I'll make my one joke and then, uh, uh, but, but, uh, embracing. I I find it funny that, that, uh, uh, you know, one, the, the, the initial explanation that is detailed here is like, oh, it's new wine. Uh, Mm -hmm. they must be drunk, which also those two things don't really, uh, uh, make too much sense to me. New is new wine more, uh, potent than old wine. There's been lots of speculation on that one. Um, it would more mean to me like, oh, it's new wine, potentially like, I don't know, maybe they're poisoned or like, 
It's not very good wine. Well, uh, and, and wine in the time of Jesus was was a grape derivative like today, mm-hmm. but the, the whole fermenting process uh, was different, and it tended to come out much stronger oh. than current wine okay. tastes are. Um, and that's one of the reasons why at the Last Supper and in um, many forms of Holy Communion today, there's water added mm-hmm. to the wine because that's what made it, uh, so that you didn't get immediately drunk, right? Right, more palatable. Yeah, uh, but Whereas I, if you were, if you wanted to abuse alcohol, you didn't bother watering it. So that's right. that, that's referring to something that people at the time when this was written would have said, "Oh yeah, okay, th- yeah, you would get real drunk if that if you did it that way." Okay, I got you. Uh, Peter's defense isn't the most solid, uh, which is why I think that's also funny. Like, okay. oh no, 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 uh, it, it, they're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning, as if. Drunkards care right. what time, but apparently that um, that that, uh, that that tradition of uh, not drinking so early in the morning uh, uh, seems to, I guess, have carried because uh, uh, we we also still hold that uh, that kind of uh, uh, mentality as a culture. Like, oh no, no, you know, you're not going to drink before right before noon. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, not the most scientific no. <laughs> answer. Yeah, um, it does seem kind of like a gullible defense. Right, and I'm like couldn't. Possibly. They told me they weren't. <laughs> um, but um, all in all, though, the, the, I mean, this is a this is, uh, has has a um, I don't want to use the word miss you know magical or mystical, uh, but this is mystical is good. This is this is a pretty this is a, a pretty um, um, it's dramatic special effects. Yeah, very very. Very, uh, this is not a, the standard, you know, biblical story of like, you know, so-and-so talk to so-and-so right. and, you know, but this, this has, this has some, some other, uh, uh, otherworldly, uh, uh, aspect to it, yeah. uh, in that, uh, not only, um, divided the, 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 the verse that would be the most interesting for me to do a super deep dive in is the, uh, verse three talking about the divided tongues, because the way that it's described doesn't you know we call them tongues of fire? That's kind of like a you know a terminology that we've come to to kind of settle on. But it'd be interesting to know more about what precisely was said about how that appeared, uh, because it says divided tongues as of fire appeared among them and rested on yeah. one rested on each. Uh, um, I'm very intrigued by what appears to be the delivery mechanism in, in this verse, uh, because it, it, yeah. it, it, it is, it is, uh, 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 kind of put, put out there that because of this, then all of a sudden this stuff happened. Yeah. They started speaking in different languages. Um, um, but, but it's a, it's a, it, the point is well taken. Jerusalem, as it says, filled with lots of people from lots of different, uh, corners of the earth at this point in time. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, uh, the... That hemisphere, yeah, and everybody heard. Um, uh, everybody heard these these you know proclamations and these announcements about uh, you know God's great deeds in their own their own language, mm-hmm. uh, and likewise, as ridiculous as it is to to uh, um, to 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 brush off the comment of them being drunk by oh it's too early in the morning, it's also ridiculous for you to say oh they must be drunk. Because they can suddenly speak another language right. from like that, a thousand, a thousand yeah. miles away. You don't gain abilities. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this is, what this is not a performance enhancer, <laughs> yeah. performance enhancer of any any kind. 
Just because so, they're speaking more loudly doesn't mean it's accurate. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> so, um, um, what a so, so th- at the heart and soul of this story is uh, this idea of taking God's uh, uh, um, acceptance of other people and and mm-hmm. God's deeds right. and the story of Jesus throughout the world. Like right. we've kind of led, you know, in, in a way, liturgically, we've led up to this point, whereas in the book of Acts, this is uh, pretty early on. Very early. Um, but this is, you know, we've kind of talked about, you know, so-and-so going to this place right. and writing this letter to, you know, these different uh, early outcroppings of Christianity and, and slowly spreading the word. Um, but this is, this is, this is like the big coming out party of like, no, no, this is not just for, which, which is kind of weird. Like I would like this story as it appears in Acts earlier on in, in, in liturgy, just because right. it makes more sense for the Easter, you know, what we talk about during the Easter season of like, this is, this is the coming out party. This yeah. is the, this is the reasoning by which we take and we deliver this message to all groups of people that we've never included before up until this point of like what the, you know, what yeah, in this the message of a given literature. Yeah, yeah. We save it till now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, but, but this is, it's, it's a really interesting story when, when you view it in that context of like, this is, this is so that the message can be shared. Yeah. Uh, and, and that it is, it is that all inclusive storyline, that through line that we talked about the, the past, what, seven weeks? Right. Of, Throughout the of, Easter season. Of this is not just for the select group of people. This mm-hmm. is not to compartmentalize humanity. This is to unite and to, and this is for all. Exactly. Um, so, um, anything else about though this story that's not? I've been talking well, a lot. That's okay. <laughs> well, and to to reinforce what you're just saying, um, one of the nicknames for Pentecost for the Christian Pentecost uh, feast day is it's the birthday of the church. Mm-hmm. That this is the hmm. first time within the, the scripture that the message of Jesus is going beyond the relatively small um, community of Jewish followers of Jesus. Okay. Just, just as you were saying, there are all these folks that are coming from the four corners of the Roman empire and hearing in their own languages, um, this wonderful message. And therefore now there's something different than there ever had been before. Cause part of the message is not. And now all of you get to the temple. Right. In Jerusalem. All of you convert to yeah. Judaism. Even though in the book of Acts, in the chapters that follow this, there is still infighting over whether or not that should happen. That mm-hmm. can people become Christian who have not first become Jewish or simultaneously are becoming Jewish with circumcision and other things like that. Um, yeah, so this drives home the, the initial message is, no, you don't have to jump through any hoops Hear it in your own language, right? Yeah, no, pre- no prerequisites uh, yeah. needed for for and this. this. Is, and this is the start of the Christian Church. Yeah. Uh, anything else on um, the prophecy from Joel? Mm-hmm. A couple things were changed by the writer of Luke, particularly in verse seventeen. And maybe this is esoteric, but we get to do it. It's our podcast um, that. In Joel, it says, afterwards, God declares, whereas in Luke, I mean, in Acts, 
it says, in the last days it will be, God declares. Hmm. So the, the slight altering of that Joel passage is to include the, some of the theology of the last days that Christianity is carrying forward. That within Judaism, those traditions had already started, mm-hmm. but part of the initial birth of the church was to say there also will be an end of time. Well, it almost implies, and correct me if I'm wrong, it almost kind of implies that these, it's as if the proclamation is these acts that you're seeing perform, you know, happen in front of you is a part of those end times. Right. It almost exactly. creates a sense of immediacy with, yeah. with, with this storyline. Uh, was that, was that a, was that a, a, an aspect of the early church of like, Yes. Look, this is all going to end, and it's going to end real soon. <laughs> yes. In fact, there's within the letters of Paul, which were written before the book of Acts, there's there are even places where uh, Paul's clearly dealing with people who are finding that members of their followers of Jesus' community, because Christian wasn't used yet, uh, are dying. Mm-hmm. And they thought, because of the preaching of the apostles, that no one was going to die before Jesus came back at the end of time. Mm. That the end of time would be within their lifetimes. Gotcha. And so part of what the um, Paul and other early church leaders had to do was struggle with the theology of when's time going to end? Mm-hmm. And how does that inter- interact with the Christ event? Right. Uh, and... It does that question does not get settled within scripture. Well, and and, and it makes sense that that might be a logical uh, um, assumption. Uh, right. I, I mean, it's hard for me to, to to put myself in those shoes, but I mean, with all of these occurrences, especially for the apostles or for the things that you've gone and experienced, yeah. the first hand, yeah, the meaning of life has been turned upside down with the resurrection, right. One would, I can very easily see why the assumption would be like, and, and this, this is it. Obviously, yeah. this is it. I mean, yeah. look at all that's occurred, and 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 defies explanation. And you know, you know, yep. walls are going to tumble down, and and you know, the empire is going to be overthrown, and we're all going to go to heaven. <laughs> like this is this is it. Sell your stuff, right? Uh, and yeah, and, pack your bags, metaphorically. Right. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Spiritually, and and again. Christianity did not create that concept or that spirituality. It was already very strong, very baked in within the, Judaism, yeah. within Judaism, and also within the Roman pagan religion. Oh, sure, there were all sorts of end of days cults mm-hmm. that were very active, and so it was. It would not have seemed at all unusual to have as part of the very early conversations about what was the meaning of Christ. Mm-hmm. Was, well, everyone's talking about end times, so we need to address that. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, anything else? Could go on and on, but we better go on. <laughs> well, let's see what uh, uh, unfortunate verses have have uh, <laughs> the, been given the unenviable task with being tied to this story because tough act to follow. It, it, it really <laughs> hot act. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, but well, yeah. I mean, uh, nine times out of ten, your your sermon uh, this. On Pentecost Sunday, will very, very well may likely uh, center around the Acts reading, right? And not these other ones. So uh, I feel bad for him. Let's try to give them <laughs> a little nice bit of, of due. 
Uh, Romans 8, verses 14 through 17 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Uh, you can kind of see this gets paired with this reading because uh, it, it is one of the many examples, I think, of inclusiveness and driving home that story that we just talked about right. in Acts of this is not... This is not children of God, meaning this small group mm -hmm. of people. But uh, when we say this, we are talking about all of us. A very expansive view, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and uh, and 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 therefore, which still would have been um, uh, a foreign concept when so you when you hear someone yeah. say "Abba, Father," which means "Father." Mm -hmm. um, um, so I don't know if if that means uh, they say "Father" twice. Well, uh, actually, but, it's a it as a connotation but, of daddy. Okay. So mm -hmm. it's it's like dear father, father. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it it yeah. And in um, Hebrew poetry, which Paul was very familiar with, mm -hmm. the way you emphasize something poetically was by repetition. Okay. Okay. So he was really driving home a point by having two different terms for the loving male parent. Is is one formal and one informal? Is that kind of? We a, are. They, we're not entirely they, sure. That's where I'll start. There, mm -hmm. are, but there are other people who immediately jump up and say, "No, we know Abba is an informal term." Okay, but there is such a small body of Hebrew literature, particularly from the time of Jesus, because they were switching to Greek um, by the time Jesus was on Earth in terms of a written language. Mm -hmm. That we can't say for sure. Maybe by the time Paul is writing, it it is seen as an equivalent term for father. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, I'm just being cautious with the scripture. Sure. No, I gotcha. Uh, but yeah, if you were to hear someone um, in their prayers or in their in, in their thanksgivings to their cre you know to mm -hmm. their creator, and they're saying this, yeah, it does. It you know, on, on, from your perspective, it does sound as though they're speaking to in an individual relationship. Yeah. And this is this patch is, is is directly addressing that and saying, no, no, no. When I say father, I don't mean my father, yeah. I mean our father, yeah. which is how a lot of people pray these days. Is... And and maybe what we hear more in the English language in hymns and prayers and um, movie portrayals of prayer is someone saying, Lord, Lord, mm -hmm. uh, referring to God. But yeah, it's just the, the emphasis of um, the way that Hebrew literature works. Yeah. And it also does... Um, touch on a very interesting concept. Uh, number one, it talks about a, a, a spirit of adoption, which is which is kind of yep. an interesting way to phrase it. Uh, but also, uh, in verse 17, um, it's helping draw the mind to uh, the overall implica implications of this. If we are all children of God, then it takes the extra step of saying, and if that's true, what that also makes you is an heir. Yep. And what do you inherit as an heir in this relationship. So it is not just, um, it, it, which is, is an interesting thing to think about because a, a child of your creator, uh, we've all been children. Uh, and we all know that as children, um, 
it's more of it, it's a very different relationship than what an heir what what you are as an heir as a child you are subservient you do what mm. you're told mm-hmm. you don't have uh, a, a lot of choice uh, and and it does it, and and we've all experienced this with our own walk in God and is you know that's kind of uh, there are there are those of us who have have that relationship in totality as far as our our, our, our faith goes that it is just one of some being subservient um, but this passage also talks about that means that at some point in time you are an, you're going to be an heir and that is a very different kind of relationship you're right a more mature one a more mature where you then take up the mantle of of what your parent passed on has passed on yeah and and uh um you don't think of that as you're a child mm-hmm. um but you do but but it is one of those things that a lot of us do have do end up having to um experience yeah. in one way shape or form or the, or, or the other because it is a it is a very different relationship in the end where you take you, you take all that on and right and, it, and and what do i do with what i have inherited yeah you know how do i how do i live out the, the values that i choose to treasure mm-hmm. that my parents gave me right yeah so um I was just kind of struck by that that yeah. subtle nuance of like uh, of oh yeah yeah okay if you think about it in those terms that that does have a very very different meaning um, yeah and it, it it and you you hit it on the head that's the that we are supposed to be getting fantastic that's the only point of this podcast is <laughs> those fleeting moments where right. where I get to hear you say those words uh, thanks for for uh, writing all that out for me ahead of time uh, before yeah, and, I recorded. And, <laughs> Yeah, this will be the only 30-second podcast. <laughs> Everything else edited out. Um, and the other thing to, to keep in mind is that what's being inherited is the resurrection. Mm-hmm. That it's and that gives everyone who walks that walk a whole new perspective on what is the meaning of life. We don't have to cram yeah. everything into at the time of Paul 40 years and right. then cease to exist. Yeah, but instead we're supposed to have a, a view that's extremely, that's literally eternal, not just mm-hmm. long term, but eternal, right? In terms of how we see our own existence and how do we contribute to the rest of existence? Right, very right. Very good. Well, let's uh, let's round this out with John. Uh, we're still not done with John yet in our right. in our season, uh, chapter fourteen. Verses 8 through 17, and then we're going to finish it off with 25 through 27. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. But Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and, in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. 
This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it is neither it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. So, um, what's interesting, and I'm glad we kept 25 through 27 mm -hmm. in, uh, what strikes me as interesting from this reading is uh, this talk about the Advocate, mm -hmm. uh, the Holy Spirit, um, kind of implies, especially with the pairing of these readings, that the Advocate are, is the tongues of fire in our first story. Right. Um, that uh, this is foreshadowing, which yes. uh, uh, um, I, I'm not entirely sure if that uh, is as a result of us putting that these readings together, or if this really, uh, if, if scholarly they believe he is actually referring to this event uh, further on down ah. the line. Um, well, that, that raises an interesting dynamic, which is in Acts, mm -hmm. we have that, this fantastic day of Pentecost, gift of the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of John, it takes place on Easter. Oh, okay. And it takes place not publicly, but in the locked room mm -hmm. where the, the apostles are hiding in fear. Um, and, it's a, and it's given by the resurrected Jesus who breathe, breathes on them, which is a, a pun where spirit and breath and wind in Hebrew are all the same word. Okay. So Jesus's gift of the Holy Spirit is coming from the resurrected Jesus breathing mm -hmm. onto the... Um, Apostles gathered. And so, yes, in the Gospel of John, this passage very much refers to the gift of the Holy Spirit to help form the church. But the actual gift of that takes place on Easter rather than 50 days later on Pentecost. There, mm. That's one of those places where the um, where there are two accounts that have the same meaning but have different descriptions and different timing. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, anything else about, I mean, obviously the, the last verse there uh, would sound familiar to uh, individuals who come to our parish for, for a service. Uh, peace I leave, <laughs> I leave with you, my peace I give you. Um, it's kind of the basis of Peace of the Lord be with you. Right, passing the peace with within the congregation yep. in the middle of the service. Um, it is interesting, though, that during all of these occurrences, that last line says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Yeah. Which I would have to think all of us, if we were put in this situation, while it sounds calming, I don't know as if I'd be <laughs> capable of like, okay, yeah, I, but my heart is troubled. <laughs> I the, the resurrected Christ is is breathing on me, <laughs> and, yeah, and my heart is afraid. Uh, and 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 while it 
sounds like words of comfort. I don't know how I could possibly internalize that message and then therefore be calm. Well, and to make it even, to, to reinforce what you're saying, these words are said basically during the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. So it's more along the lines of if someone if someone was to tell you, oh, yeah, this thing's going to happen, and, we'll, and whatever you do, don't be scared. Right. The first thought you thought is, why should I be scared? Right. I'm Wait. going to be scared. Wait. Now I'm scared as to why you're saying I should exactly. not be scared. <laughs> exactly. And, and of course, the, there was plenty of reason for them to be scared, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. both in terms of what was going to happen to Jesus and then the fear for their own lives that they'd carry uh, during that event on the Gospel of John of the Holy Spirit being given. They, they were afraid and locked themselves away. Right. Um, so they thought the same thing was going to happen to them as happened to Jesus. So, yeah, that do not be afraid phrase is a you know red light going off of, oh, I think I will be. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, it, it always seems to be said in, in instances where uh, um, realistically it probably has no good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it certainly would. Be not, a, you know, I mean, like, the, you know, we, we've had it in, 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 we have it in many of our biblical stories. Of, over and over. Of, the, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the angels appear to the shepherds in the field like, don't be afraid. Like, uh, yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. But what do you have to say? <laughs> too late. I am afraid. What do you have to say? Yeah. And of course that then applies to us today where there, there are some people, um, some spiritual masters, uh, who have said something along the lines of, if you're not afraid, you're not doing it right. Well, it, that, the, that if you don't have a sense that you're risking, your very essence in order to offer it to God, mm-hmm. then you're really not risking enough. I was that it's interesting that you say that. Cause I'd, I'd actually thought of that as we read this, um, it, that it, there is some inherent good to having a troubled heart. Yeah. There is some inherent good to, uh, uh, um, some fear and that it, it stirs up something and it, it helps it. If you have, if you're troubled by something or you're afraid of something, at least you're not complacent. Um, right. That, that you, it might motivate you to some sort of action. Uh, it's up to you as to whether or not that action is being, you know, something good or something bad. Right. But, uh, but at least it means that there is some, that, that you're, you're on the verge of being empowered to do something in a way mm-hmm. uh, is, is also potentially one way to look at it. Um, yeah. There's a thing of if, if you're afraid, you hopefully will look for a new way of being. Yeah. Of, of taking different actions, of getting into a different situation, whatever right. it might be. Yeah. And so that in that way, it can definitely be part of a healthy spiritual journey. Sure. Sure. I mean, and, and, and obviously the, the, the opposite way to read it is, is also, a, you know, a, a helpful of you know as you do things in my name don't be afraid yeah i'm with you you yeah. know and and that's that's also comforting so that's it's kind of yeah it's 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 uh, interesting to see how we we experience things in such profound duality mm-hmm. uh of of you know or it, it, we live our life on this tightrope razor's edge walk and no matter what you're gonna fall like you know, one side or the other, you're going to be too afraid. You're going to be too troubled. You're not going to be troubled enough. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, uh, so, so no matter what, nothing's good enough. You know, <laughs> you're, you're, 
That one. Never good enough. No, just kidding. <laughs> so but, please just give up and watch Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> but but that experiencing that that um that wobbling of back and forth yeah, is tension. is your existence and 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 really uh, I, I I guess maybe it, that that your your more godly experience is that 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 uh, move back and forth as as you experience. Yeah. The other, another thing that many spiritual masters have talked about is you can't live on the mountaintop. Mm. That referring to people having peak spiritual experiences, sometimes literally on a mountaintop, but often that's mm-hmm. at some wonderful moment that often catches us by surprise, but we can't stay there. We right. have to keep, um, we have to then live it out, mm-hmm. share it with others. Um, whatever the particular call may be out of that experience. And so that's part of what John's talking about here uh, in his gospel. They really wants us to hear Jesus saying, even as you have to step away from the blessed experience, mm-hmm. Christ the, and the, God will still be with you. The Holy Spirit will be with you and peace will be with you. Even as you're scared out of your wits because you're leaving the mountaintop and trying to figure out how to live this out in everyday life. Right. And this is these are the reasons why those, you know, you, you always have to go back to the well. You always, yeah. you know, that these words are for you to always be able to come back to. And you have to come back to them because, you know, sometimes you need uh, words of, of soothing, calm, and encouragement. And other times you need words to spur you to action. And, right. And uh, that's uh, it, that's that's why we have church every week at eight and ten. Is nice plug. Thank you. <laughs> that we have to keep with the discipline of coming back for refreshment and renewal, particularly if we don't know what we need. Right. Yeah. And, and that's and uh, that's not you, you don't and and that is 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 an overarching interesting point of you don't come to church to learn necessarily right you come to church to uh um receive your new marching orders or you know what mm-hmm. what 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 do you need at this point in time do you right. need uh do you need calm and stability do you need uh something to be stirred up within you and and have a new ministry presented to you do you need to have uh, a communication with someone else within the church uh, do you need to be that steadying rock for someone? For someone it's else. also, it's, it's always, it's this, this, it's a, it's a life experience to get together. It's not so much that to, you know, study these words and, you know, learn this and memorize that. And, right. And you'll check off the, the various aspects of your existence that are the checkbox to get into mm-hmm. heaven. It's, it's not that it's and one of the interesting very things fluid. That yeah, one of the interesting things I've experienced so many times um, as a parish priest is someone telling me, you know, a week or two later of, you know, I thought your sermon last week was pretty dull mm-hmm. or um, irrelevant, and then Tuesday or Wednesday someone asked me a question and I could suddenly answer it. Yeah, uh, because of something was that was in that sermon that I thought was dull. And inapplicable to me, and actually it was for someone else, right? Um, who would never have come near your, the church, but they had a now that uh, parishioner had a tool 
that could help them share God's love. Yeah. And I'll say very few of my sermons are dull, but just in case. I would never. <laughs> I would never. But no, it, it, it's, it, it, it's a good point, and, and, uh, uh, which is one of the reasons why uh, Holy Family is aptly named, because yeah. it is uh, – it, 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 it looks at uh, it looks at this from a communal right. aspect. Right. This is a familial uh, relationship that we're trying to th- that we're trying to uh, build and encourage, and the, and the well beyond the church walls. Yeah, yeah, and that's and and because that that is a uh, what we feel our, our our calling to be here yeah. at Holy Family is to to have that relational aspect to your spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. So, so with that. We'll call it. Uh, but uh, but we really want to thank you for joining us uh, this week. Uh, join us next time as we go into the season after Pentecost. After Pentecost. <laughs> Woohoo! And uh, uh, so this was your podcast for June 6, 2019. Uh, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.